With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For some, sports in Nebraska is more like a religion. And for those devout followers, there's Church of the Corn with Zach Santi, Alex Drake, and Fitz. On 1620 The Zone, 1620thezone.com and the Zone app, Church of the Corn starts now. Here are Zach, Alex, and Fitz. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. The doors are open. The hymns are in the hymnals are in the pews. Welcome to Church of the Corn. We are brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical Staffing here on 1620. Members of the congregation, you may be seated. We have a lot to get into today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Scott Frost fiasco. We're going to talk about the aftermath of last week's game. Then Fitz and I are going to go into a couple of candidates that we are considering for the Nebraska job since you know Trev Alberts is asking us, should Mickey not keep it? We'll dive into Oklahoma, make some bold predictions, talk about the changes Mickey has done, and then we'll get into recruiting with Brian Munson. But let's start with news of the day. Well, actually, let's ask Fitz how he's doing. It's been a while since he's made it to the studio. I'm doing all right. Hey, we're glad to have you I'm, back. I'm doing I'm doing well. I it's it's funny though driving down here. You just, forget where it is? No, well, a little bit of that. But to feel where we were 4, 5, 6 weeks ago when this whole thing was kind of getting kicked off mm-hmm. and lo- literally because we're not playing, we could look ahead on the schedule and look at this game and say, how much fun is this going to be? Almost kind of doing a little pregame. And now here we are on September 17th with a week of just chaos. Yeah. And we're here for it. But normally we're, we're, we're big fans of the organized mayhem, but this has definitely been disorganized. Totally um, new energy today. I mean, this, there's a, there's a lot of energy going on right now down in Lincoln. And you know, you seem pretty hyped dynasty. up today. <laughs> yeah. Dynasty. You seem pretty – it's weird because we're excited, but we're not excited for the same reasons we thought we were going to be six weeks ago. You're absolutely right. No, and I'm going to tease. I've got it. When we get into Oklahoma a little bit later, I'm gonna, I've got a quote that I'm going to utilize for the benefit of Nebraska, and I think it might work out okay. Yeah, so absolutely. Remind me. Um, first things first, too, before we get too much into football, uh, we want to w- send our condolences to – Elias Theodoro's family. He's a Canadian UFC fighter, died of colon cancer yesterday at the age of 34. Um, we just want to send our condolences to, to everybody affected by that, his friends, family. Uh, that's just a sad story. And then I want to take a moment. I want to thank Scott Frost for his time in Lincoln. Um, you know, a lot's come out this week, but Scott Frost did definitely put, put a lot of effort into that program. You can tell by the way he aged. And I think this program is whoever takes over permanently after him. This program's in a lot better situation in terms of talent on that roster than it was before. Uh, and so we're going to kind of avoid t- 
talking about all the negatives revolving around Scott Frost the remainder of the season. And then we're looking forward to a fresh start with Mickey. What excites you, excites you most about the fresh start? I think it's just that, that he has taken it and, and flat out just said it's a fresh start. He pulled the black shirts, right? Um, you know, you talked about not, not discussing some of the negative things that are coming out, but you can't help but wonder with some of the things. For example, when Coach Joseph says, you know, there's, we're, we're turning off the music at practice, right? It's like we're there, we're there to practice. We're there to get better. We've got to bring our own energy. The fans have to bring the energy in the stadium. We're not going to have that music playing during the game. So things like that that I think, you know, because we, we could all sit back there. As, if you're an assistant coach at any point in time and you've been there, mm -hmm. I've been there, you always have ideas, and, you're, and you can share them and you can give, but the moment you get that, you get that opportunity and you've now, like, okay, I'm going to try these things, why not, right? And if you've got an opportunity to do something that's different, not saying that it's better, but when you do something that's different and you can figure out what the outcome is, try it. Why not? And yeah. So that brings excitement to me. Yeah, and I think Trev hit, hit that nail right on the head in his press conference on Sunday when he said, you know, maybe a new voice and a, and a little bit new, new vision will uh, make a difference for these boys. And I, I completely agree. And you're right. I think the music thing is, it's minor, but it it could be huge. When I was when I was still coaching, I know, and I was a big fan of at times manufacturing energy for for the kids, and they kind of feed off of that. And I think that's one thing that Bo was really good at. Right now, we might not have really loved the way Bo went about it as an entire fan base. I personally didn't have a problem with it on on Saturdays. But that's something that we should watch with Mickey, I think, today. Mickey seems like a guy that's going to bring energy to help help the players, and I think he's expecting the staff to do the same thing. I haven't seen a lot of the staff jumping around on the sideline the last four-plus years. No, and and, it, and it's funny, and I, I think about bringing the energy, and I, and I watch – you watch other games, obviously, and we see other coaches, and I just don't know if I've seen – Passion's maybe not the right word, but that enthusiasm, that bringing the energy from a coaching staff, just like you said. But like, and I'm not saying getting in, getting in the faces of players, but there's been a few times where Frost was animated about a call here and there, but nothing that could say, "Hey, you know what, players, get on my back, let's go for the next 20 minutes." Right. Or other coaches, it just kind of seems like, and maybe that was, maybe it wasn't the players so much that idea that. Once things started to fall and, and, and it looked dire and the woe is me started coming in, maybe that was more with some of the adults in the room. And I'm not saying this year, mm -hmm. uh, but I think maybe more next year. And we, we've talked about that before, that last year, the, the years before that, I don't believe all of that staff was ready for the big time, right? It seems like the whole staffs, and pardon this, uh, this analogy here, but it kind of seemed like the whole staff, when things started to go wrong in a close game, their buttholes would pucker up, and then that fed to the players. Well, and you get tight, and it goes. It, it's and then they they get afraid and they start playing not to lose in, instead of playing to win, which brings me to a, a quote from Trev's press conference that I loved. I use it all the time. I've used it with with the kids that I coach, and I don't think it's gotten enough run in the media this week. He said in his next coach that he wants to hire. That guy is going. That new coach should hate winning. I hate losing more than they even enjoy winning. 
and that that's something that really stuck out to me and i'm not saying that anybody on the staff today scott included didn't feel that way but that's definitely a trait trev is looking for well and i think i think there's a little bit of human human nature in the the mindset that says you start losing or things don't go well and and now it shifts and instead of that open right mm-hmm. you're now closing off and you've 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 told yourself and you've seen it now so why would you think anything different was going to happen and i think that's what i don't know if we saw changes to that now here's the other here's the other issue and i'm not saying that the next coach whomever it is is going to open some practices a little bit more give but i honestly think and i know this is kind of tailing off away from where you were going but opening practice to the media even just a little bit more mm-hmm. it 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 becomes a checks and balances because if you don't want to get dragged through the media and you think that the media is out to get you and this goes back a couple coaches too let them see what you're doing absolutely and if they can if they can verify validate or they're seeing it with their own eyes they're not speculating or what people in the in the message um, boards message and boards and, and twitter sphere and and the and the interwebs think you know that they're just this is what they're saying let that be open be honest yeah and then be accountable for it and i i just don't know if that's that part of it for me because now that it's over you think back what went what went right what went wrong you know and at the end of the day the the schedule or the schedule the record is what is in neon it's the proof in the pudding yeah um, so I have been very anti-hype video for about three years just because of the product we're putting on the field, right? And I've, I've made that well known. But I watched the hype video from, from Mickey's first practice as interim head coach, and I felt a different energy coming through that video. And it could be I, – I, f- I felt it from the players. You know, you, you hear a couple of them talk in the video. You see Mickey giving them high fives on their way out to the practice field, out of the locker room. And it just felt a little bit – different and i don't know if the production team's just that good i don't know if it's the tackling in the practice but am i the only one who felt that no and i and i i think obviously it you associate or equate those videos to almost like a political campaign right and you've 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 got to pick and choose what you want to show is this is this business is this fun is this showing whatever it is but i you know as as a fan base those are the things that we want to see but I, I personally believe that it's, it's real, it's genuine, because I think that's who Coach Joseph is. Right. Former players from LSU, you, you hear what they say in draft interviews going out, Justin Jefferson, you know, guys like Chase, you know, those types of things, and you, you, get, that, you get that feel. Um, players, when they, even at the early stages of his recruiting, the, the fact that Charles Thompson, Casey's father, Yep called him because of a mutual respect and early on in the process and said, you know what, Nebraska is great, the institution, the history, Coach Frost, you know, even when it wasn't going where it wanted to, where it should have been going and where we wanted it to go and where they wanted it to go, obviously. But he was, he was like, you know what, Mickey, I'm putting my trust in you. And I think that's kind of where – where it needs to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something that we haven't done enough justice to on our program this week, 
Uh, we have not talked enough about Nebraska volleyball, I don't think. They are in the middle of a pretty good season, 7-1 so far. Tough loss to Stanford this week at home. But they got Kentucky coming on tomorrow. I know your wife's a big volleyball person, so she, she's definitely into this. Where do you think the ceiling is for this Nebraska team this year? Honestly, the I think the ceiling is, I think it's an open-air courtyard. Honestly, because they're so young. But when you've got, and I'm going to just guess, I couldn't remember, seven, eight of the top 12 players in the country that sign with you as, as recruits, um, it's really good. He's, he's, what I like about John Cook, too, is the fact that he's not set on, hey, we're going to play this because this is what I know how to coach. He's right? totally adapted in the style. I'm adjusting the system that we're going to play to the players that I have. And so he's running a 6-2 right now, which he hasn't done a lot in the past. And it's the fact that he doesn't have the player that can stay out there and set all the time. And so those rotations and adjustments, he has players. There's no doubt about it. And so I think it's going to be good. The other big thing, too, is that Pepperdine beat Minnesota this mm-hmm. week and Nebraska beat Pepperdine in three straight. So, you know, you look at some of those positive, but Kentucky's always good. They're, they've been coming along the last three or four years. So it'll be exciting. It's fun to watch. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of their season. We'll be right back with some Nebraska-Georgia Southern game post-game breakdown. <laughs> Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Doug Bosse State Farm Insurance on 1620 The Zone. We've got a caller on the line. Fitz, you want to bring him in? Caller, uh, who are we talking to this morning on Church of the Corn? Uh, it's Zach, what's up? Zach, how are you do- Where are you calling from, Zach? Uh, my truck. I'm driving from Lincoln. The hype man ram. Oh, that Zach. That Zach. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was just calling to make sure you guys didn't screw this up too much. Oh, because we've never done a show by ourselves, Emmy winning show before together, just the no, two of us. If anybody's going to screw it up, I wanted it to be me, not you guys. Well, that's 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 a given. Par so, for the course. Can let's let's just roll through this as we should. How's the uh, how's the traffic? Uh, so far not bad. It's it's rainy and it's crappy out, but I think by the time we get to Lincoln, everything should pass. So. Think so we're, uh, we set up good for tailgating. Are you an I eighty guy or a highway guy? I will be highway to hell. <laughs> Did you say I eighty or the highway? Yeah, there's that side highway that you can take right oh. up, right next to Granada. Highway, so highway six. Say, like, yeah. Highway I-80 six. I eighty is a highway. No, it's an interstate. There's a difference. That's what the I stands for. Slight difference. Arguing semantics right now. Hey, so hey, Zach, I won't hang up on you if you can tell me who created the interstate system. Uh, Dwight Eisenhower. All right. Wait, was that right? Tell, I, tell Laura, I honestly don't tell, know. Tell, uh, tell uh, Mrs. Hype Man, good job. Hey, congratulations on the uh, anniversary, by the way. Oh, yep. Hey, thanks. That's Five a- years, and uh, we're, now we're now great by Nebraska beat Oklahoma today. Hey, that's the energy we needed. Give, I, I will be, obviously, we're going to see it, we're going to hear it, but, and you do, you have done in the past a great job of 
kind of um, creating the feel of the stadium. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that because I I can't imagine today that that place, at least early on, isn't just going to be loud and raucous. And uh, I I think it's going to be pretty cool. And the fact of the matter is just imagine when Mickey Joseph comes out and the clouds part, the sun shines. I mean – you couldn't you couldn't write it any better if you were Steven Spielberg. So what do you yeah, uh, it, what I'm do gonna you be honest? At? It feels a little bit different today. Um, just just the tenor of everything, and it just feels like there's not that dark cloud program right now. And let's not forget the first game under Scott Frost got canceled because uh, storming pretty good right now, but it'll pass by the time the game starts. He had to bring omen. it up. You just had to jinx it. It's a good omen. The clouds being lifted. That you, rain on your wedding day is a good sign. I don't know if thunderstorm as your first head coach as a football it, team hey, is a good. Hey, it rained on our wedding day as well, so it's fine. Well, one <laughs> of the one of the greatest musical duos in the past. Let's just go two hundred years. Talked to and sang about rain, Millie Vanilli, and you can't. I mean, if if they can do it and they're proud of it. You you blame it on the rain, but let's spin it and make it positive. And I know that's one of your favorite groups, Zach. So anything else you wanted to say about hey, Millie Vanilli? Zach, while we got you, let's let's dive into this pregame a little bit. How does Nebraska improve their defense today? I mean, the players you have are what you have, and that's that that just is what it is at this point. But realistically, there's a few things you can tweak schematically. Um, gap integrity is huge this week. That's that's the main thing. If you can fix that, you'll have cut off a lot of big runs that happen against against this defense. Uh, just do your job. That should be the message. Do your job. Well, I'm gonna just kind of connect it to that. Uh, Damon Benning this week. I don't remember which day he was talking about it, but he he mentioned the gap integrity as well. And it was something as simple as the one of the defensive linemen body in the right position, head on the wrong side, which didn't allow Reimer to read exactly where he needed to go, right? So little things yep, like... It's, it's a small detail. Yes, yes. 100%. Hey, Zach and Fitz, you can answer this too. Oh, thanks. With how, how Anthony Grant has played so far, how does he continue that with um, obviously much stiffer competition today? Well, you know, the good thing is for Anthony Grant, he's still got a good passing game. So you have to honor that as well. It's not like it's a bad passing game. Casey Thompson has been pretty good with the ball. Uh, he's going to need that today. He's going to need to really pick up a lot of uh, the third down conversions. And if he does that, it's going to free Anthony's Anthony Grant's legs up a lot. Do either of you guys see kind of a different game plan from the offense today to maybe protect that defense? Um, I don't more think you clock can. I think you got to go out and rip it. I think you got to score as many points as you can. I think that's the mindset. But going back to going back to Grant though, so game one he was manufacturing runs. Game two and three, the offensive line, and it's not you know they weren't playing Oklahoma obviously, but they were doing a little bit better, giving him at least one little hole to to see. I think what Anthony Grant is going to be able to do today is break off a few chunk runs. Right? Let's yep. get let's say ten. 10 or more yards, if he does three or four of those, now you're pulling those safeties up again. And we take that shot. And now you're, you've are you opened that up. So I, I think, and, and Zach hit on it, the, the passing game in this offense 
opens up the the running game. But I also think now, are we going to see potentially maybe a draw play if you get these Oklahoma linebackers that are a little bit over aggressive stuff? Like I just think we're gonna, you know, it's not that it's going to be brand new, but I th- I think we're going to see things that we expected to see a few weeks ago, and we just yeah. we just didn't. Hey Zach, while we got you, two quick things. One, give me one coach that if it's not Mickey Joseph at the end of the year that you are interested in towards the bottom of your list, we'll work our way up throughout the season. And two, give me a quick prediction for the game today. Um, If I have to go to a coach on the bottom of my list, this isn't because of lack of interest. I'm actually very interested in this coach, but Nebraska's ability to get him, I think is very, very low. Um, It's an SEC coach. It's uh, Stoops from Kentucky. Okay. I would love for him to come up here. But I just don't think he's, – he's making $7 million in the SEC. There's absolutely no reason for him to make the move to the Big Ten unless he wants to move conferences to a conference that's, I'll say, in quotations, a little bit more gettable or division, if you will. Yep. Um, well, and why would he want to go from one big basketball to school to another big basketball school? In my mind, it just <laughs> doesn't make sense. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't want to go from powerhouse to powerhouse there. And, you know, that would be the one thing that the Kentucky AD needs to be very, very on edge about right now because of that split between Calipari and Stoops and that, that comment that was made. It, it's created a risk, so they need to be really cautious because – It's not as bad as Fran McCaffrey's cameo. Well, and, and I, would, I wouldn't be opposed. I know there's some, some push, there'd be some pushback to this, but Stoops has Morrow. Vince Morrow, who is a heck of a recruiter, yep. and he knows that Ohio area really, really well. So the Big Ten landscape. Job while he was here. Stoops, just to kind of add to this, Stoops, in the system, the family, he has connections. He has a, a he has coaches on speed dial that he could get that would be. And I'm not saying there's going to be coming the, back. There's going to be the shakeup, but no, it's not going to be a Youngstown reunion. But just that's the idea. The can they put that bias aside, though? Yeah, well, but that's. I, I don't think the Youngstown group can put that bias aside. I, I don't think they can. Well, but if he gets, if, if he has an opportunity, because Kentucky still is not your upper echelon in the, in the SEC, right? Right. So you're still fighting it. But again, and this is where, and I'd love to get your thought on this, Zach. The, and it, it, it keeps coming up. People, what do they keep saying? You know, Nebraska's just not the job that it used to be. Okay, it's still a blue blood it's still in the big 10 the money that you have new facilities players blah 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 why wouldn't a coach want to go there and say i can do this and i'm going to show you and that's you know if you're bringing a guy from kentucky who could come and put nebraska over the top you'd be you'd you'd go down in history you know name your price well i'll I'll tell you this nebraska is still a the job is probably still a top 30 job in the country. Uh, I, I think they've got the facilities in place or coming in place. Um, the fan support, obviously. You finally have administration above that is running it like a business. And um, I won't comment any further than that. Um, but you've got everything around you to be successful. You just you need the head man there. And I think the main thing you're looking for is you just need someone that's a great leader of men in that position. Obviously, there's other attributes, but you've got to have that guy that can lead. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for calling in, Zach. When we come back, what's that? Great job. Give me your prediction for the game.
All right, we lost Zach. <laughs> when we come back from paying some bills, we will return and talk about a couple more candidates that we're interested in moving forward. What's going on, children of the corn? Zach here. I'm doing our weekly read for Manscaped. Um, fabulous company. Uh, fabulous products from the Lawnmower 4.0 to the Weed Whacker, the Crop Preserver to... Those are the main things I've used. Um, the Lawnmower 4.0, absolutely fabulous. Water proof i believe as well so um definitely get yourself one uh the performance package 4.0 is what they sent over to us so um highly 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 recommended also if you use our promo code corn church you get 20 percent off as well as expedited shipping as well i think i got mine in like two days so um absolutely phenomenal plus if you get the performance package you also get a pretty badass travel bag as well as a set of boxers and i think a t-shirt as well so um highly 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 recommend them um once again 20 percent off as well as expedited shipping if you use our promo code corn church so ladies and gentlemen be sure to take advantage of it and uh enjoy the show have a good one everybody you're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone and Design, as well as FCC Trucking. Fitz and I are now going to jump into a couple of coaches that we'd like to see if Mickey is not retained. Feel free to join into the conversation at 402-951-1620 and let us know who you're interested in. Fitz, start us off. Um, as, as you mentioned with, with Zach on the line, we're going to kind of go through this throughout the season. So um, a guy that is a little bit lower on my list, not because I don't think he would do a good job. I, I'm maybe kind of looking at the real realism of it, but um, I like the idea of Matt Rule coming okay. to Nebraska. Right. He's he's OK. Then this just sounds weird to say. And that's why I stopped myself. He's turned some programs around, which I didn't know if I'd ever say that about Nebraska. But here we are on September 17th of 2022. But he did he, he did wonders at Temple. He did some really good things at Baylor. And Baylor was very Baylor was on shaky ground on and off the field. Um, he's a. A defensive-minded guy, right? He's he's hard-nosed, um, but you had mentioned it before. Just a little bit of the discipline, a little bit of the accountability, um, you know, that that's just up and down uh, over the last five years. I think he, I, I think he could come in and do a good job. And for me, I don't care who it is right now. It honestly comes down to who he brings in around them. Are you comfortable bringing in somebody as they get af- right after being fired? So you are um, assuming he's going to be let go by the Carolina Panthers? 100%. Okay. Yeah, because... And I get that the NFL and college are a totally different game. Um, he, took a, he took a shot, right? He, was, he did something really well, and yeah. somebody recognized it, and they, they threw some money at him in, a, in that kind of idea and said, hey, you know what? Let me try this. And we've seen... I mean, Saban struggled. At, Absolutely, and that's the analogy I'm the, looking for the, here in the NFL. And I think you know, I don't know, I you know, maybe I should follow it a little closer. I think Saban's done okay over <laughs> yeah. the last ten to twelve he's years. Be okay, he's he's done all right. 
Um, so here, here's the pushback I'm going to give you. And I'm just also going to start by saying this pushback can be thrown at the guy I'm going to name as oh, well. Oh, believe me, I will. Uh, I just, and, and I'm kind of here with Matt Campbell in a way as well, who's not who I'm going to name. Only three years as a Power Five head coach, not a ton of Power Five experience. It, now, what he did at Baylor was was amazing. I mean, look at his first three years. He goes one and eleven to seven and six, and then eleven and three. Um, so he does finish at Baylor with a lose with a. Uh, he finishes his total tenure as a college head coach between Temple and Baylor at forty seven and forty three at Baylor nineteen and twenty. I I think he's a great prospect. I do. I'm I'm not I'm not trying to go down on him. I, I'm not trying to put him down. I just think. <laughs> phrasing uh i just don't know that there's enough of a of a track record of success for for what we need as a fan base and so before we dive too much into that that gaff there i'm going to go into my guy and i like um joe moorhead perfect last name for what you just said yeah. go ahead <laughs> i like joe moorhead you know he he was a two-year coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Penn State when they were reviving the program under Bill Bill O'Brien, who's another guy that I'm actually pretty high on. He had a great year at Mississippi State. Second year, flamed out and was fired. And then he went and was offensive coordinator at Oregon for a couple of years. Again, I understand that the proven track record that I have been very high on isn't there, which is why he's also towards the bottom of my list. But uh somebody that i think should get a pretty good look that's not getting enough conversation and so currently he's the offensive coordinator at oregon right no he's the head coach at akron head coach at akron okay i guess i should have listened to what you were just saying a couple <laughs> seconds ago i didn't um, i didn't say anything about akron You're oh, good okay there. okay you know i i look at that as you know somebody that more so than any of these other coaches that is the that is the name that probably more people don't know about right um and so and he was he was a big name hire around the same time we we brought frost in, yeah right and and i think he he has he has experience um he's worked he's worked his way up and i and and you really not to jump off of him for a second but going back to what you said even about matt rule and it and it and it fits coach it, it fits scott frost to a t as well like limited experience right limited mm-hmm. experience as a power five head coach I think there's something to be said about that because we have to go in now. It's not just the X's and O's as we know. You're now, you are running, in theory, a multi-million dollar company and new facilities and then, you know, recruiting. And it's not, you have to be a good coach. You have to be able to implement what you want to do and have people that are going to support that and, and, and see that vision through. But now NIL, even though, you know, Nebraska's in a really good place. So, but a, a Joe Moorhead, he is a an offensive guy, but it's not like he comes in and you have this system, right? That he's he doesn't have like the Mike Leach stigma attached to him. Like he's developed offenses. Let me let me run down his head coaching record for you. Starting in 2012 at Fordham, he went six and five, then twelve and two, eleven and three, and nine and three. His first his first two good years in thirteen and fourteen, he lost in the FCS second round. In 2015, in his last year there, he lost in the FCS first round. Then he goes on to Penn State, um, 
quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator, and then in 2018 he takes over Mississippi State, goes eight and five, zero oh and four in the conference, and then 2019 he goes six and seven, but three and five in the conference, and now he's one and one at Akron. Again, I don't know that the head coaching pedigree is there from a power five level, but he's been around winning enough. Well, and even back in 2016, 17, he was named as a, a rising assistant. Like, so he was on, he was on people's radar. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I think just like we're saying, you know, he's not this big name, probably caught him up a little bit too in the, in the whole process. But at the same time, if a school treats you well and wants to retain you and they give you a little bit of money, it's not an indictment on him if he didn't take a coaching job at that point in time, right? right. The other thing that sticks out, and it's one word, well, it's two words, but what he did at Mississippi State is bowl games. He took them to a bowl game, and I know that's a little tongue-in-cheek right now, but, you know, Nebraska, the last bowl game I remember is the 94 Orange Bowl, again exaggeration but that's just kind of how it feels right now it's just yeah. been it, it that's that's where we're at so i wouldn't i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna look into him more um we're all gonna come up with these with these lists which is fun right yeah it's good fodder but you know i i honestly think if you know you see what he's doing and we've seen firsthand over the last few years some of these teams like a an akron right like a georgia southern come in and to where i'm saying like how come our offensive lines can't look like theirs? How come we can't, you know, and they're getting that done in those schools. It doesn't, you know, but we've also seen it, though, too. Look at, I know it's a name that's not going to be really well received, but look at what P.J. Flex doing there and where he came from, right? Right. If you can coach, you can coach. And if you're willing to put the system in place, and I'm talking everything, assistance, um, you've got to have, Situation matters. Yes. Situation yes. matters. And I think that's ultimately what, what did Coach Frost in was it was not a good situation. I personally don't believe that he had the best support from Bill Moose in terms of setting up an organization because that's what Nebraska is. It's an organization at this point. It's not just a football program. You have to run everything like a business down to when you're eating. Every Everything needs to be handled like, like a Fortune well, 500 Let me company. ask you this in the last 60 seconds before we've yeah. got to go – um, take some money out of the checking account and pay some bills. If Trev Alberts was there when Scott Frost got hired, are things different? I think so. I 100% think so. I don't think – I and you saw it in Trev's first year, and this isn't to take a shot at Scott, so I don't want anybody to take it that way. I think Scott suffered from a problem that I also think Bo Pelini suffered from, and they were just loyal to a fault with who they knew. And I think if Scott – you know, at the end of year one, two, and three is making changes instead of just at the end of year four, we're having a totally different conversation today. And that that's the unfortunate thing. I just think some of the assistants around him weren't ready for this job. And quite honestly, I'm not sure that he was entirely ready for it either. But again, the program in terms of whoever takes over permanently is going to be in a better place than when Scott got here. I agree. And just, you know, we're, we all have to, as a fan base, we've got to be able to be patient and give it a year. Maybe. Maybe it doesn't take that long. Maybe it's a Michigan State Mel Tucker situation. We'll see. But yeah. we just have to be we have to be realistic because right now our expectations have been stepped on, smashed, buried, covered in dirt. And now we just got to get back up.
Yep, 100%. All right, we got to go pay some bills. So when we return to Church of the Corn, we are going to dive into the Oklahoma game plan. It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone and Design and Summit Medical Staffing. Let's talk about our Oklahoma game plan today. Well, Fitz, uh, I don't know why he's trying to air guitar this, but... That was singing with our church choir. I know, I we know. Have, they are in studio live, singing coming out of our break. I mean... It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Conrad with a K, I don't know how much you pay them, but... I do what I can. I do what I can. I take it out of the uh, collection plate, so shout out to the people who do that. I, that collection plate's running dry because we haven't been winning. That's Yeah, that's true. That's why I went on uh, missionary work last week <laughs> to try and— <laughs> You're talking about traveling around and helping people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just not yeah, a position yeah. within the not company? Not just knocking <laughs> on doors? No, not— <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Let's get this back on track. Uh, Fitz, what has impressed you most about Oklahoma so far this year? Their their ability to to get chunk plays, right? Those mm-hmm. explosive plays. So just specifically last week, they um, didn't get things going against um, uh, UTEP. Was it UTEP? Right? Mm-hmm. Am I on the right track there? Okay. Uh, they last couple minutes of the first half, they got their score. And so I think it was seven to three going into halftime. But coming out of coming out of in halftime into the second half, they they got three or four explosive plays and then they started they started going again. Um I believe kind of ballpark they were right around four hundred and fifty yards and there was a pretty good split, um, even split on passing and, and running. So the rushing and receiving there. Um for Sorry, me, Kent State was last Kent week. State, yes, I knew. I I don't know what I had looked at with, with UTEP, but um they they have a, a good quarterback, right? He gets the system, he knows the, the offensive coordinator and the quarterback are, are connected. Um they have highly skilled players. They're just not the Oklahoma of the last couple of years. But do they have a really good chance of getting there? I'm sure they do. They're ranked sixth right now for a reason. Um, I, I like their offense right now a little bit better than their their defense. And, um, you know, the, the nice part of it is Nebraska's offense potentially could hang with right. Oklahoma's defense. What what Or Oklahoma's offense. What what stands out to you about the Oklahoma now coming into week three? Well. And I just said the Oklahoma. Yeah. What, how about it, Oklahoma? Ohio State's coming after you now, buddy. <laughs> Um, I'm kind of right there with you. I was I was very surprised to look at their box score for for the game last week. I'm, you know, bouncing back and forth with with the UTEP score, and you you could say they let their foot off the gas or or what have you. But you know, they were up twenty one nothing at the end of the first week one, which is kind of what we expected, and then it became. Then UTEP scored 10, and it was 28-10 to 10 at halftime. And then Oklahoma just scored 17 points in the second half. I don't think that's a great game to measure them by. And I, I, don't, think, I don't think either game is a great game to measure, measure them by. They've given up a total of six points. 
this offense has a tendency to go three and out pretty quick, but they could score quick. But in reality, the thing that surprises me the most is through two games that you've won handedly, Eric Gray only has 26 carries for 173 yards. He's somebody that worries me from that offense more than Dylan Gabriel does. And Dylan Gabriel has been very good. Five touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, but he hasn't really been pressured a ton. He got he saw some pressure early in the game last week, which is a huge part of their slow start. Now, does Gray worry you for his ability? Or, or our inability to our, tackle? For our 116th ranked rushing defense. Both. I think I think Eric Gray's a great great running back, and we've struggled to tackle. I, d- I don't know what we can do schematically in a week to kind of fix some of those problems other than learn how to tackle and practice. Okay, so let's just say for the sake of, of argument here that they did learn how to tackle mm-hmm. this week, right? Because those – which is just asinine to think about anyway because they – I'm guessing on some of their highlight film when they got recruited, I'm guessing some of those defensive guys actually had some tackles. Well, I mean, right? look at what so Luke th- Reimers did last year. And and Henrich has been out a couple weeks. But those two guys, they're on watch list for, for awards this year for a reason. So the defensive play, besides being beyond disappointing, is also quite surprising with how bad it's been. Because you have a ton of guys in that – I mean, obviously Mathis is new, right? Stephon Wynn is new. Uh, Devin, Devin Drew is new. So do, do, but there's a ton of experience there from last year that that should, in theory, be able to carry those guys along, and it just hasn't. Tackling is it's a skill, right? Mm-hmm. It, and, and Joseph said it's something. It's muscle memory. He said it in, his, in one of his press conferences, and it's repetition. So you have to just do it, do it, so that you're, you just, you, you're in that moment and you just know what to do. But I think a bigger a bigger indictment on the whole thing is just, and this comes down to one guy, Coach Janander, is that the lack of aggression, the lack of aggressiveness from on the, the defense from the as a whole, from, from the, the scheme. scheme, exactly right. Yeah. And I think that lends itself to not this season especially, and now is he covering up for what the defensive line was supposed to be, but you've got guys on the edges that were supposed to come in and just wreak havoc, and they are essentially bookends there right now. Yeah, you've got linebackers like you said that were on watch lists for a reason, but yet they are—they're just—they're there. And so I—I I harped on this late in the game last week. It, it's gotten to the point where we're not even putting guys in the best position to be successful. Garrett Nelson. Now, granted, he did almost have an interception when he dropped into his zone, but Garrett Nelson should never be switched into man coverage on a running back coming out of the backfield. That's not his game. And this isn't a shot at Garrett Nelson, but he's been the only guy to apply consistent pressure. Let him pin his ears back. And if we get Oklahoma in a third and long today, I want to see all four of our pass rushers in there. I don't want to see a D tackle. I want Caleb Tanner, O'Shawn Mathis, Garrett Nelson, and whoever else you want to throw in there. Are we at the point right now that it, like, what's there to lose? There really isn't. Go after it and make something happen. Create... Uh, an interception, a batted ball, a uh, pressure on the quarterback, a sack would be amazing. So I'm I'm glad you brought brought up a batted ball. Um, I I don't want to call anybody out, but our defensive line has has not looked good in terms of when they're creating pressure. 
on having their hands up. I watched this is before Quinn Ewers got hurt in the Texas Alabama game, but he threw a dime on on third and long with a guy in his face, split it between the defensive lineman's hands. Like both hands were up. And I, I looked at, at my buddy I was watching the game with and I said, that's the difference between a well coached defensive line and a and a defensive line that's not getting getting it done. Because our guys, when they're getting to the quarterback, our hands aren't up. And it's driving me crazy. But we're also, again, putting guys in the wrong spot. There's a couple of guys playing that nickel spot that can't guard a quick slot receiver. They, when I think we're going to see to that point, I think we're going to see Kolarovic back inside a little bit more. Yeah, especially um, if Henrich is still out. Yeah. Why? I mean, he's a linebacker. He's not a nickel. Yeah, Let's get him in just, there. If he's re- if he's willing to put his nose in there and, and start filling the gaps a little bit better. And I don't – you can tell that some of those other guys – I, I've been kind of hard on Gifford this year. I those nickel guys. A, I'm tired of watching you dive at feet for tackles. Go go hit somebody and wrap up. We're diving way too much at feet. But Gifford doesn't look comfortable in man, and we have plenty of guys that can go out there and play man. If you have to put an extra DB out on the field in a pass situation to play man to man coverage, which is something that I've been calling for all season, throw somebody out there. I mean, you have Tommy Hill. You have. Uh, our five-star transfer from Ohio State. You have Quentin Newsom. You have um, – who, who am I missing here? I mean, we have a ton of guys out there that can go play man coverage, and we're just not doing it. Yeah. I think you I think you have to drop, to drop to base a little bit and just let the guys play and just figure out ways to, to – But we have to set a new base. It can't be the soft zone no, where we're not no, getting no. deep that's, enough. And that's what I'm thinking. You just figure out, okay, guys, we're going we're gonna to change things, but we're, gonna, we're going to uncomplicate it. Mm-hmm. We're going to go back to this idea of less is more. We're going to let you play. We're going to let you read. We're going to let you react. And we're going to we're just going to go. So yeah, absolutely. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back and kind of pick this up where we left off. So what you're hearing, Nebraska, bells are ringing, come down, come out on the field for a big third down stop, seven minutes left of the fourth quarter, and they stuff them, and then they drive down to win. Is that possible today, and what is Nebraska going to have to do, Drake, to make that happen? Is it possible? Yes. Um, I like the fighting spirit and the wavering commitment to that statement i i think anything's possible man i mean southern georgia just came in and beat the brakes off of us on the defensive side of the ball which Uh, is now still the concern yes it's the concern but every week there's a spoiler and my mantra has always been why not us why can't we beat that team if a mike riley team can do it to michigan state even though brandon riley might have stepped out of bounds on that catch why can't we do it well, you've got Reggie Bush just turned around in his chair, and he's getting the Husker faithful down on campus excited as big noon kickoffs kicks off here. You know, you know what I know we're not going to have today, and, and, and we better not have it. Otherwise, it's just not a good look for us. We're not going to have booing our own players and coaches in the stands. There's a new energy here. We're not fed up. We're clean slate. As far as I'm concerned, this team is zero and zero right now. We took away the black shirts. We're going to make those guys earn it back. And I don't know. I, I've had – now, I didn't have a black shirt, but I've had my starting jersey taken away from me. 
and been put on the bench several times throughout my playing career. And the way that makes you change how you practice the week before is, is amazing. And so I, I expect our defense to come out with a lot more energy. I think we dumbed down the scheme a little bit. Urban Meyer's playing up to the crowd right now. So is who is that? Who's the guy next to Urban up there? That is... Matt, is that Matt Leonard? Yeah. Matt Leonard's ho- holding the corn cob cap. I, I think the defense comes out with a new energy today. I think we dumb it down, and I think, you know, Mickey talked about playing fast, talked about playing aggressive. I think we see not just blitzes to get home in the passing game, but I think we see some run blitzes too. Well, I, we just there has to be some some changes. I for me, the offense is the offense is going to have to carry the day, right? So the it's it's two polar ends of the spectrum, opposite ends there of our offense and the defense. Mm-hmm. And let's let's think about this. Let's just say the offense continues at the pace that they're going and can score. I'm just going to throw out a, a number. 41 points. Just ran 41 points. If the defense can play a little bit better, right, makes a timely stop and gets gets them off the field, um, uh, they can they can flip the turnover battle right now. The Nebraska or Nebraska's down in that compared to to Oklahoma, you know. But it this it comes back to, and I know this is a little bit spiteful, but that mantra of. No fear of failure. We haven't seen that in five years. Today is the day we to got, have no fear of failure because, again, you don't – it's not – yes, you have something to lose. You have the game to lose. But you know what? If you can actually now walk out off of that field when you're done and you can tell as fans, as players, as coaches, and I think that's all Coach Joseph wants is turn off the music at practice, take away the black shirts, show me what you can do. And if you play with passion, you play with pride, and you play with a sense of urgency, things are going to change. Who's the first guy you think earns their black shirt back? And do they earn it back today? Whoever whoever it is now becomes the face and becomes the leader. And I'm going to go, I think it's going to be a guy like O'Shawn Mathis. Okay. I so There's there's a connection, right? Yeah. You've got the same thing he on the other side of the ball. He had two sacks last year at Oklahoma. You've got, you've got Washington on the other side. Yep. Right? Again, has the playing against Oklahoma. Yep. Um, and Thompson. They are... Oklahoma's not very good in the secondary. No. Right? There's there's ways to, to do that. And I think you get some of those those routes in front of them, and I think we get some chunk plays that way. So here's here's where I think the biggest X factor is today. It's gonna be third down defense, and can we force Oklahoma to punt from their inside their thirty on the other side of the field? I've I've been harping on our lack of punt return game, and a huge part of that is we're always making teams punt around the 40 and 50 yard line which allows that guy you know to boot it up high get the coverage down there but if he wants to flip the field position and you're punting inside your own 30 there's going to be a chance for a return and I think today because this offense from Oklahoma does have a tendency to have a quick three and out I think today's the day where we get a big punt return well, and I hope so. And they and the again, only punt that, return I can think the only punt I can think of where we force them to punt from inside their own thirty, we blocked, right? Yeah, yeah, because they're back on their heels a little bit. We can play with a little bit more reckless abandon there. Um, I'm gonna got a quote here, and it kind of goes back to that that aggressiveness that you've talked about before. So after last week's game, Kent State coach Sean Lewis says, "I thought our kids played relentlessly hard in the first half. It was obviously a game of two halves there." 
We gave up some explosive plays to start the second half, and turnovers proved costly. Game got away from us against a really talented team. I completely believe getting away from it in Oklahoma's a talented team. But the part that sticks out to me is that I thought our kids played relentlessly hard. That's what you're going to have to have. Tackling is playing hard, right? Effort. Tackling, you've got to do that. You can't just come in and hope that they go down mm-hmm. and, 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 and fall and say, okay. Like I'm, I said, I'm no tired. more diving at feet. I don't yeah. want to see any more diving at ankles. The other one, and this is what I was talking about in, the, uh, in our opening, Brent Venables talking after the game last week too said something, and I just want you to think, imagine it's not Coach Venables, but it's anybody. It could be Coach Joseph saying this and think about what it would mean to the Nebraska football team. This is Brent Venables last week. I was hopeful for some strain and challenge. There's not going to be a change in development improvement without a challenge. I'm glad that that happened. Nebraska's seen challenge this week, mm-hmm. right? They saw challenge last week, and they, they weren't prepared for it on one side of the ball. I mean, when you play 45-42, your offense is doing, is doing something right. Um, I still go back to that when they finally held him to a field goal, and they had three pass plays. They went three and out just like that. That's not, and it right back to what you said last break or last segment. Not putting your team in position to be successful. Yeah, and I want to I want to throw something out there that Mickey said on the radio this week too. It's not just the defense out there. The his goal for that offense is to always outscore the opponent. So I don't know that we necessarily see the offense slow down to try and protect Oklahoma's defense, but I can see Oklahoma doing it. This this is a cannot lose game for Oklahoma because of where we're at. Nebraska has nothing it has something to prove and absolutely nothing to lose i think you could see some trickery on offense some quality trickery not just you know whatever the chargers tried on thursday night where they did the double lateral i i think we i just feel like there's going to be a new energy out there and you know i should probably put this out there too for everybody i go out of my way to find the positives because it's a more fun area to live in so I'm always going to be a half glass full guy, and there's some people out there that are just going to disagree to disagree. You know, you know who think who I think is essentially just going to be let loose. It's like, hey, open the fence. We've got 40 acres out here. You go and run. Mm-hmm. Is Whipple? Like, yeah. This is going to be his. He he this gave is the gonna keys be his, to the kingdom to Whipple. Yes. He. It's like, hey, take us where we need to go. Yeah. And if it if it works, great. If it doesn't work. Okay, but you revamp and you go. Now, is there anything well, hold, to let me let me ask you this. Do you think Mickey went to any of the other defensive guys and said, "What can we do to simplify this and get more aggressive?" before before just talking to Chins? I think so. You've got to get you've got to get a perspective if you from every if position you're not, group, if you're not right? willing, yeah, if you're not willing to to say, well, and and we know it has to because what did he do? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Move chins to safeties and nickels. Safeties nickels coach, and the fact that we were the only school on the planet. Let's just go on the planet. Yeah. Without two guys coaching the DBs. At least any school at this level, right? You don't don't realize that, but that's the stuff that's going on. Like, what is. I've always wondered why we had two linebackers coaches. I've been harping on that for three years. Yeah, it's things like that. Do you think there's any validity to. I looked up there and thought that was Scott Frost. It's, a second. it's Rob. It's Rob Stone, ladies and gentlemen. We're we're watching the the game, but it's just like a quick glance and like, wow, that's got. Anyway, um, does Oklahoma look ahead to K State next week, and does that help Nebraska if they are? 
Ooh, I, I don't think so. I, I think Venables has done a good enough job. The, and the reason why I don't think but so is— But there's still 18- to 22-year-old kids that are like, huh, Nebraska. Right, but at least on the defensive side of the ball from Oklahoma, you, you know this is a big game for you because that offense can move down the field and score. Uh, who's your X-Factor player for Nebraska today? On each side of the ball, give me one. Um, I'm going with Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. He's been on milk cart in the last couple you weeks. Took the, you did, I literally was just about to say that. Since Northwestern, hey, Eric Crouch is back in the house too. Um, since Northwestern, he hasn't done he hasn't done anything. And yeah. I think this is the type of the type of game against those against uh, Oklahoma secondary and and in the back because you asked me about the black shirt, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rescind what I said. I think O'Shawn Mathis. Okay. I think he can set the tone. Let's just go put all this out there. Hair on fire, bull rush, putting on some moves, putting on a show, like get Dave, get Gabriel off his mark, right, things like that. Mm-hmm. How about you? Uh, my X factor on the offensive side of the ball is going to be Trey Palmer because I firmly believe Mark Whipple has been given the keys to the kingdom, and he wants to force feed him the ball. And, I, you know, Nick Boss said it on his podcast. I completely agree. There's about four to five guys on that offense if Vocalex still not good to go. There's four to five guys on that offense that should get 90% of those targets. I was going to say, I, I could imagine with Whipple really running this and those some quick throws, right? A three-yard, yep. four-yard pass, let's make seven out of it. A, a quick slant, right? Um, yep. so, but I could, see, I could see Elante, you know, but I could see a guy, whether it's Palmer, Washington, somebody – coming out of this game and, and having like 13 catches and maybe it's only 112 yards, but it's like a big one, but then just a lot of little the moving ball. the ball, softening things, some things up and then boom. Then we hit them on a double move yeah. or a play action. Yeah. And then on defense. Um, so last year, this was Luke Reimer's coming out party. This is the game where everybody's like, Oh, he's a dog. I think today you're going to see it from a guy who, Quite honestly, I expected so much more out of this year because he's had a couple of big plays when he had playing time previously, is Miles Farmer. Miles Farmer needs to turn it on today. He's been quite honestly useless in the running game. He's taken bad angles. And part of that is we have to fix how, you know, you said DB brought it up, where guys' heads are when their body's in the right spot, but the head's in the wrong area. I think today is Miles Farmer's coming out party. Last week, I thought it was it was Marquez Buford's two interceptions, a couple of big hits. Today's Miles Farmer. I love your O'Shawn Mathis pick. I think Luke Reimers turns it back on today too, but um, I don't I don't know with with Oklahoma's style of offense. I think it's just going to be the same thing that Mathis has been running into, where they're going to roll away from him, or they're going to chip him with two to three guys, and it's going to be quick pass game. So. The defensive back has to have the defensive back room has to have their coming out party. I want to see I want to see the hitting. I want to see the chippiness, getting up, pushing in the pile, pushing after the whistle a little bit. Just, I I just want, stand your ground, protect your home. That's I want a personal foul for a late hit. I do. I I want them to come out and set the tone. When I play when I played basketball, there was a guy on our team whose job when he got in the game was to foul the best player, the hardest foul that he's done all season, and it changed every game. It was always the same guy, but his number one job was. Go in there and foul the crap out of the best player, so he knew we were here to play. And sometimes that guy got the start, depending on how good that guy, that player was, and if we had anybody who could guard him. Come out, set the tone early, and let's make a statement. All right, we're going to go to a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about some spoilers. 
Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to Church of the Corn, brought to you by Doug Bosse State Farm and Summit Medical Staffing. Let's chat about some spoilers we like today. Fitz, you want to start us off? I do. Um, I know they haven't been real, real good right now, um, kind of compared to what they thought they wanted to be. Uh, but this is uh, the Western Kentucky-Indiana game. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and, and say that Western Kentucky, um, they're – they're a dog by seven. I think they come in and uh, take care of Indiana. Indiana's a little bit on the struggle bus. I love it. I love it. Who else you got? Uh, I'm going to go down to the SEC, and I'm going to say that LSU, it's a, it's a close one, um, against Mississippi State, and I'm going to say LSU comes through with, with the win. Because, I hate it. I hate it. because, you know who else is going to get some of the Mickey Joseph love and some of the Mickey Joseph juice and energy that's going to be emanating from Memorial Stadium today? LSU. Okay, okay. You got another one for me? You told me two. I said two or three. All right, no, that's fine. Uh, my first one today is going to be Liberty as a 17-point dog at Wake Forest. Hugh Freeze is putting everybody in Lincoln on notice today. Hugh Freeze is on top of this list for future head coach of Nebraska. He's putting us on notice. If you have the ACC network, thank you, YouTube TV. Make sure you get a set of eyes on that game. So this is how quickly we've gotten to the point now that all these coaches are, are trying out for the Huskers Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. I you, love it. You can't tell me that Lincoln, Nebraska is a better job than Liberty. Number two. I am going to take – where did it go? Sorry. Uh, I am going to take Oregon. Uh, I'm going to take BYU upsetting Oregon. It, this is the conversation we had before, and I think I just – I confused you. BYU's ranked 12th and Oregon's 25th. Yeah, but they are a three-and-a-half-point dog. Oh, so you're just going on the line. Yeah, that's what creates a favorite and an underdog. Is it a spoiler, though? If you're a three-and-a-half-point dog and you win, yeah, why not? Three-and-a-half points. <laughs> what about uh, what about somebody okay, fine. that's I'll also – I'll wipe that one what off. What about somebody I'm gonna take that's Purdue also on Purdue list? over Syracuse. I'm going to take Purdue over Syracuse okay. instead of that one. Okay. Syracuse has come out and had a shockingly, surprisingly competent offense, which yeah. is kind of fun. Today is where we find out if Syracuse is remotely for real or not. And then my last – Spoiler of the day is your Nebraska Cornhuskers led by Mickey Justice. Can we call them the Fighting Mickeys? Um, or are we just Joe Levers? No, I don't like that either. We, we got to work on something for that. But new energy, new leadership. Dynasty. Dynasty. <laughs> it's not a dynasty yet, Conrad, with a K. I, oh, I am taking be. Nebraska to upset Oklahoma in Memorial Stadium today to start the Mickey Joseph era off right. Let's just put it this way. If they win today, I guarantee, I guarantee that Nebraska will not lose next week. I guarantee that no matter what happens today, they don't lose next week. Let's, let's, that's, it'll be a sure bet next week then. Let's, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll win the collection plate there. All so right. What about, what about you talked about 
Go ahead. Kansas. What do you think about that Kansas game? Kansas. Who who did you say they were playing? I don't remember. There's because so many games on my on my screen right I know. now. I just had it too. Kansas and. I'll, speaking of Kansas, it was somebody. Oh, it was. Oh, come on now. Why are we? Oh, we'll find it. But hold on. Uh, I lo- I do like K State to just roll Tulane today. Kansas State has not looked worried about anything. Kansas and Houston. Houston, That's eight and a half point favorite. I, d- I don't know if I like Kansas to spoil it, but if if Kansas goes in and wins, Lance Leipold skyrockets up my list. Skyrockets. Yeah. Uh, I know Lance Leipold's been a, a very solid coach, but a- again, he comes he has the same problems that the last couple, few guys we've talked about have. And just not enough experience out of Power Five. Now, granted, what he's done at Kansas carries much more weight than, you know, the two and zero start and the big win at Tech against Texas last year. If he's if he has the if he gets the to resume, a bowl game, right? if he gets he to a bowl game this stuff, year, we there's no doubt about it that Kansas was a stepping stone for him. Right, that's a resume builder because you're not you're not going to stay there, and everybody understands that. But if he can do that there. I think we have to change it. It's no longer Lincoln, Nebraska. It's going to be Leipold, Leipold Nebraska. Yeah, and right? let's let's look at their He's schedule the, this year. This is a this is a great conversation. So they have Houston next today. Next week they are at Duke. If you get to three and one or four and zero oh at Kansas, that's got to put you in the towards the top ten of potential coaching hires when this coaching carousel goes well, on. And look at that that overtime game last year against uh, Texas, Texas yeah. right? They were competing. They're doing stuff. I mean, it's he's there for me. Like we're we're gonna talk about it more next week. Yeah, but he is. He, he is there. yeah. What he's done at Kansas is nothing shy of amazing. Again, for me, it's just it hasn't it hasn't been sustained success. But again, if you get to three and one, four and zero oh at Kansas, I'm giving you a lot more credence than than I had before. You're doing something. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're gonna take one more quick break, and then we are gonna get back in and talk to Brian Munson. You're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. over the intro you pointed at me no i just said that your mics were live oh there's a difference man Gee, this is the first time i've done this from this seat all right hey brian how are you doing <laughs> things are going great on our side of the uh table uh, here. how about you i was just so excited to tell brian that mrs future drake is becoming quite skeptical of our friendship brian uh-oh what's up well, she's not thrilled about you hammering the over in week zero on me, and now she's really not thrilled that once your Bills win the Super Bowl, I have to let you put me through a table. <laughs> you have become the scapegoat for my bad decisions. Let me tell you something. Uh, efforts must be doubled because uh, I'm, I'm feeling much – I've got so many phone calls basically throughout the week after people have kind of watched things a little bit. I mean, obviously people are feeling pretty good about the Chiefs. 
But uh, I'm going to have to start moving in some different lifts here a little bit and uh, try to get that core up. But, uh, yeah, we're we're still feeling very good. I'm sorry to her, honestly. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do the best. We won't we – won't, we won't make the table like we won't put it make it on fire like let's just we're gonna go for just a straight up just table and not a burning table can we well, saw and, saw it no, a little no, bit just make get, it a little weaker get a get one of the plastic fold and half tables keep it unlocked and it's just gonna break down anyway he might get like a a welt or a pinch mark all up his back from the mm-hmm. middle of the table but that's you know it's price of doing business right yeah yeah i made a i made a promise <laughs> i'm a man of my word brian yeah, I, I, and trust me, man, I, I'm telling you right now, things are going to be uh, glorious uh, if that actually happens. So I'm not really going to care. I'm going to ta- take a month off from work and, and figure a whole bunch of other things to go out there that are destructive. That's what I like to hear. I, I know I wasn't here last week, but I was listening, and I heard the, the first two guitar chords of Sabotage and the drums, and I got excited. And then when you came on and you talked about your love of Beastie Boys, and for me, all it is is like I'm like I just wanted to call you and say, hey, are you ready to build some bunk beds? Because our movie choices, the music. I know again here here comes Drake just staring at me like I have no idea why you guys talk about this stuff. You're both old men is really what he's thinking. So anyway, so I'm an old very, soul, gentlemen. Very, I am an very old impressive. soul. I do want to ask you before no. we get into the uh, the topics of the day, we're gonna get back into our streaming series. Have you seen the Black Phone yet? No, is that on which which one is that on? It's on uh it's on Netflix, I believe, or Prime, I'm not sure. But it's Ethan Hawke, and I guess he's a serial killer. Um I was listening to a podcast that he was on the other day and they were people were talking about it and it just sounds riveting. Um but that's that's not the big one. There's a new documentary, and you're gonna know more about this than I do, um, called is it called Nolan? Um, a Nolan Ryan documentary. Oh, have you heard I, anything about this? I have not, but I would be I'd be very much interested in yep. seeing that. Called, called Facing Nolan. Right now it's it's gonna go into theaters, probably not up here, but uh you can you can buy it on on streaming as well. But it just kinda caught my eye. I was looking at some documentaries and I'm like, okay, I think Brian would have uh, uh some love for this uh facing Nolan just kinda based where you're at and where you're from and your affinity yeah. for sports. So well, it's- it's, that's my that's my age too, but uh, mm-hmm. I just I just I re I rewatched Terminal List again. Oh, it's so um, good, so good. Chris, Chris, yeah, Chris Pratt fan, big time. And I'm actually watching um, Margin Call right now. Uh, great movie about the uh, uh, crash, the recession, the uh, tranches of of uh, home of the. Uh, of the home loans and stuff like that. It's probably a little bit better than uh, the big short, in my opinion, the big short's got some great actors and stuff like that, but the big margin call fan. What's that on Brian? I need to check that out since that's my Netflix. All right. That, that's in my realm of, of career. Uh, Brian, uh, it's been a pretty quiet week around Lincoln. Uh, not, not a lot to talk about. <laughs> Urban Myers in town, which is a huge hot topic for our fan base. Do you think him and Trev Alberts talk talk it all over the weekend? And if so, is he a legitimate candidate for the Nebraska job? Well, you know, Steve Sipple reported late yesterday morning that there was a scheduled talk to take place between Urban and Trev. Um, Now, the second part of your question is the interesting part, where 
I, I kind of go back to where Trev was at on Sunday, last Sunday, where he was making the press conference announcing the firing of Scott Frost, where he said, you're going to hear me talking to a lot of people. And that doesn't mean that they're candidates for the head coaching job here at Nebraska. I assume that that's kind of where he's at with Urban Meyer. And, and I think that that's probably, probably the way that I would say that he would approach Urban Meyer, at least initially, to where it would be, tell me about what your thoughts are on the outside looking in here at Nebraska. Tell me what it is about Nebraska that you feel like makes it special. But tell us about Tell me about the challenges that you think that Nebraska is up against. And, I, and, I, and I, I'm sure, look, I, I've, got, I've got kind of a multifaceted answer because I'm, I'm, fairly, well, I'm fairly sure that, that Trev is aware of some of the baggage that would follow Urban Meyer around, number one. But number two, I'm sure that in the back of Trev's head, there's probably not a better candidate on any list that can be pulled together as, part, as far as you know, possible head coaches to replace Scott Frost that would probably you people would feel better about a guy that could get the program back. It's just at what potential cost. And and that's not monetary. That's about that's about just egg on the face for something else. Um, so I, I think I think Trev number one did talk and I think that the conversation however was more about Give me some perspective. Give, give me, give me, give me what you got. Tell me what you think. And I think though that if Trev feels like out of that conversation that you know there was a there was a much better understanding for Urban the man that he could feel like you know some of those other situations potentially maybe he needs to look into them a little bit further. But he might be able to put him back on the list of possible candidates. But I think I think the conversation happened, but it was more about fact gathering. Do you think Urban's even remotely interested in it? I think Urban, I think Urban is a is a uh, um, a program builder, Egomaniac. and I think that he's an elevator. But I I think that he understands the challenges at Nebraska, and and they may be they may be too large, of course, for him. And I and I think that I think that he's got a certain amount of risk. When you take a look at the Jackson Jacksonville Jaguars, for example, talk about an ego check. <laughs> this guy, wherever Urban has been before, he has had success. Whether it's it's Utah to Florida to to uh, Ohio State, he's had that success. Um. Then he goes and jumps out of college, out of the booth, and goes down to, to Jacksonville, and doesn't last a season. And I, I'm sure that I'm sure that when he went back and thought about the things that went wrong, other than you know the the, the obvious end of it all, um, I'm thinking that probably he understood what he was up against. I think at that point, and, and and all the all the various little pieces and places of things that he could not control, like he could at the college game. So. If, if if he was going to come to a school like Nebraska, I think that he would want to have a say in how things were going to be organizationally structured, where powers would kind of be, and putting people into places that would be able to help him out. So I, I think that he understands that there's a it's a it would be a unique challenge, it would be a, a Herculean effort in a lot of different ways. But there would be a lot of things that he would want to have a say about how things would be structured if he chose to come to Nebraska. You know if if we could quickly erase some of those malfeasance that he he's had in the last couple of years, you're right though. He's top of the list. He's a yep. candidate. Like he's, he would be a no brainer, right? Yep. 
yep. you just have to figure out. And in my mind, kind of drifts towards a little bit of it's a reclamation project for him personally. It's a reclamation project for Nebraska football, and and maybe that's that's what we need. Does he? Do you? Excuse me, Brian. Do you have a uh, favorite candidate right now? That if you told Trev, here's who you need to hire, and this will work. Do you have that guy? Mm, I don't know if I really do too much. I, I think, I think if I was kind of looking at, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely feeling, you know, a, a couple of the candidates that have been kind of thrown out there. I, I, I like Luke Fickle. I'm not going to lie to you. I think that that's an interesting one. However, I understand the parallels between Fickle and Frost. There's, that's an AAC program. He's having success at that level. He's recruiting against some big-time boys, and he's in a different part of the country, which is what is kind of putting it in a different light with me because I, I've been telling people this, and, I, and, I, and I'll say it here publicly here on, on your radio show, to recruit to UCF and, get, and, and be able to grab second-tier guys, I, in my opinion, at the time that, that Scott was there, was an easier thing to do than to come to Lincoln in the Big Ten and go into an area that had been neglected by previous staff. There had been high schools like Lee Summit North that a Nebraska coach hadn't been in in years. And there's four guys that are visiting from that from that high school this weekend in Lincoln. So I, I don't think that it was really truly ever really understood the depth of which needed to be kind of rebuilt. And and I think that that's 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 part of the problem there, and that's one of the things that kind of stands in the way with me with Fickle, but also a, a differentiating factor. Um, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm very curious to see how Mickey Joseph kind of takes this thing and, and goes with it because he's saying the right things. Um, I, I, I was a little bit um, taken aback by the, uh, the lack of kind of frustration with making a, a head coaching change, you know, being a former Husker, you know, a week ago, I didn't see any kind of pushback from current players, from former players, from former teammates. So I, I think that Mickey has got the team, um, and I'll be very interested to see how, how things kind of go moving forward. I'm not so much putting a stake in today. I don't know what you can get done in a week. They just lost right. to Georgia Southern. They just allowed the most yards in Memorial Stadium history last <laughs> weekend. I don't know what you do today, you know, less than a week from – losing to georgia southern last saturday night so uh, i'm not not much stake today but i'm interested in seeing what what the, what the rest of the eight look like after that hey brian here's something that i found interesting this week uh well a couple of things normally losing a head coach this early in the season means recruiting kind of stops and we saw mickey yep. joseph and a couple other coaches out recruiting specifically malachi coleman this week it's a big recruiting weekend with like you said four guys from lee summit north coming in does that surprise you? And and then the other thing I heard I heard it on uh, after hours this week. It's kind of been rumored that Mickey wasn't thrilled with how we handled the Ashley Williams situation. Is there any thought that Mickey might go try and flip him back to Nebraska? Um. So, for, first answer to your question: well, Typically, when a head coach is fired, everybody just kind of sits back and they say, "Okay, our job now is to sit here and tell all the commitments." that we don't know what's going to happen. Wait until the head coach is, the head coach is announced here. 
uh, go ahead and take your trips to other schools if that's what you want to do. And uh, we want to make sure, obviously, that you're making the best decision for yourself. That's number one. Number two, is it weird? Yes, it's absolutely weird. But this is where I think there's a little bit of a different agreement here, you know, potentially between um, Coach Joseph and Nebraska, you know, more specifically Trev Alberts. I think the interim head coaching job here is more of an interview, uh, kind of moving in through the through the rest of the season. But I would also say I don't think that there's a tremendous amount of, of downside here either. I, I would I would assume that Trev would have told um, Nicky Joseph that he's going to do everything he can to make sure that that if he isn't named the head coach at the end of the season, that he is retained, and and that also that he's got a he's got a, he's going to have a dump truck of money thrown in thrown into his bank account. And he's going to need a door that goes, you know, it's 10 feet long because he's going to be the wide receivers coach, the co-offensive coordinator, the passing game coordinator, the recruiting coordinator. And he wants his hands all over that program because I know that Trev loves the energy that Mickey brings. Uh, and being a former Husker, I think that that just got to make uh, Trev giddy about things. But um, Can I jump I, in there real I, quick, I, Ryan? Yeah. Does, in that instance, with everything you just said about Joseph, if he doesn't get it, in in your experience, does Joseph come back then? If he's if Trev says you'll be retained no matter what in the coaching staff, does, is that something that you think Mickey would want to do? Is stay at Nebraska? Well, I, I think Trev would say that he put his best foot forward to make sure he was retained. Okay, um, he he couldn't say for sure like if the yeah. head coach would want to retain him, but but I I would say this: it typically comes down to fit. If you don't fit what the guy is going to do offensively, being an offensive guy, then there's probably not not a whole lot of desire to kind of stick around there, so to speak. Um, that's what that's what I would guess. But then Ashley Williams, to bring that back up again, it's probably a little bit too early to tell. Obviously, Nebraska's had their sights set on on uh, OU this week, but they'll be out on the road next week, and it'll be very interesting to see where those guys end up. I think they'll be spending a lot of time down in Georgia. There's a couple other places I think that they're going to be headed to, if I was guessing. But Ashley Williams, if they feel like if they feel like that that's where they need help, then they would have to circle back, of course, to their current commitments because there was always kind of this, hey, we've got a number situation playing out. So they would have to support it with there's other roster changes coming and we need you guys to be a little bit more flexible than what we told you about originally when you committed. Yeah, that's great, Brian. Thanks for all that insight. Uh, as always, a lot of fun, Brian. Any game in particular that you got your eyes on today besides Nebraska and OU? Oh, you know what, guys? I, I'm going down to a wedding in Waco, and I'm literally <laughs> leaving at halftime of the OU-Nebraska game. So I'm more concerned – with how my wireless and my Fubo app are going to keep up with me driving 85 miles an hour down to Waco to make sure I can try to get in front of the TV for the end of the game. So I, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm more interested in that. So I haven't really even bothered to look at much of the other, the other games. I have a wedding today too, Brian. I feel your pain. Yours, Drake, your wedding. No, no. Mine's May 6th. All right. Uh, Seven listeners. Feel free to come there. Um, What do you think the score at halftime is then if you're going to, and we'll just take it as a win or whatever from you, but what what do you think that score might be for Nebraska-Oklahoma when you leave to go to Waco? <laughs> well, if it's, if it's like Nebraska winning or dogfight time, I'm going to be totally perplexed. Can I, can I jump in the car and make light speed down to Waco and stick around for the rest of the game and still get there in time, or do I run into, into, into some sort of a problem? I'm thinking, I'm thinking that it's going to be around 14 to 10 OU, 
seventeen to ten OU, something like that. I think I I think I gave a final score of thirty one twenty four. I was picking OU. Um but I, I think it's gonna be something like that. I mean obviously Casey Thompson knows what those boys are about and I think that he competes at a very high level being from the state of Oklahoma against those guys. And he wants to show out today. There's there's seriously no question about that whatsoever. And Mickey He'll have those boys ready. It'll be an 11 o'clock start. We typically see slow, see slow starts from the Huskers on, on those kind of early game times. Not today. That's not going to happen today. I, I like the confidence. I like where you're at. Um, it's obviously going to give us something to talk about next week. So, Brian, enjoy the full Huskers game because I have a feeling based on, on, on what we know that you're just going to be uh, – you're going to bed down there and you're going to be ready to go for that game and then make your way down to the wedding. So um, have a great Saturday. Great Sunday of some football. We'll catch back up on the streaming uh, and some uh, maybe a little recruiting next week as well. Okay, buddy. We'll see you guys. All right. Take care, Brian. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to pass around the collection plate. It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. folks thank you for joining us today unfortunately we went a little bit too far into our last discussion so the only collection plate we're going to offer you today is nebraska getting oklahoma take them on the points take them on the money line doesn't matter thank you for joining us today for drake fitz and conrad behind the, behind the ones and twos have a great day go big red go big red